This is Help Wanted, the show that tackles all the big work questions you cannot ask anyone else. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, Editor-in-Chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. And I'm New York Times bestselling author and money expert, Nicole Lappin. The helpline is open. What were we texting about? That, when? <laughs> I remember walking down the specific. street and we were texting about business and I had said something about how I was surprised you needed advice on something or something like that. And you replied in this way that actually kind of blew my mind a little bit. It's the first and only time. <laughs> it all hinges on the thing of success because my perception of you is that you have figured lots of things out. And that's my perception of you. And I find it silly to I feel like weird saying of myself, like, I am a successful person. Because it's like, what does that even mean? But what I think is most revelatory about having very honest conversations with you is about how we've both shared that actually neither of us feels like we've maybe made it. Made it. Yeah. yeah. When I share that privately with other people, it makes them feel better. And frankly, when you say it of yourself, it makes me feel better. <laughs> I hear that from so many successful people. It's fascinating that we all achieve and yet don't seem to be able to feel like we have achieved what we set out to achieve. And I struggle with that a lot. And today we're going to try to figure out, not solve, because I'm not sure that's possible, but at least figure out how to feel more successful about our success. I do get surprised when people want to do things that I do. You know, I have thoughts many times a day that like I am a complete failure and I haven't done anything with my life. Yeah. And you want to lay should, that can we was lay surprising them out? to you. Yes, it was surprising to me. Well, it's of course it's surprising to me in the way that I suppose people would think it, it's surprising to hear it come from me. And the reason for that is because people only see output and they also don't know how something was made and they don't know how something's doing, right? So the existence of a book, for example, seems very impressive until you know how much somebody had to spend to like out of their own pocket to get anybody to pay attention to that book and that the sales surely, like it's like unless your name is James Clear, like the sales are surely never what you want it to be, right? Like, I, I wish that I had, you know, some people talk about, and maybe what they're talking about is all bullshit, but, you know, you, you see a lot of people who will talk about a mission. They have a specific mission to help people or to build a thing, and, and I didn't. What I was doing was spending the majority of my career trying to figure out how am I useful in some way to others because, I mean, I, I had, like, weird successes that I couldn't make any money. I don't know if you remember, but I I was really good at making viral websites many, many years ago. One of my weird websites, selfies at funerals, like inspired a weird Al <laughs> Yankovic line and a whole bunch of things like, but I couldn't make any money off of that. And I didn't know what to do with that. And that didn't really feel like me. And it wasn't really until I started talking with entrepreneurs, I got this job at Entrepreneur Magazine that I realized like, oh, I have something to say to these people. But I wake up every day thinking, what do I really have? I mean, I, I have a job that is high profile, but I don't own that company, which means that at any time I could lose that. I could lose that title. And then what do I have? Like, I, that's how I think about it. Then I have 
Well, I have some like random assets that I have created for myself, some small amount of social media followers and some podcasts. But like, I don't feel like you can take all that to the bank. That makes me very scared. I feel like I am renting Mm. the most foundational thing about my career. And that is very scary. This is the source I found out through our chats uh, is a source of big anxiety for you. Yes. What about for you? So there's a different kind of anxiety because I feel like I do own the things that I do now. You know, it's been more than a decade since I left media Mm -hmm. uh, as a W-2 employee like you are for a magazine and sort of burned my corporate bra and started out on my own. And there's, I think, a different anxiety. So I, I technically own that those things, but it's really up to me. Like, if I don't get up in the morning and grind, like nobody Nothing is happens. going to. There was some consistency and routine working for somebody else. And working for yourself, you know, is a whole other bag of nerves and angst and super fun neurotic things. This is something that I have felt at every level of my career. I mean, when I had jobs that seemed really cool when I was working at magazines or whatever, but I was getting paid $40,000 to do so and was very, very unsure of whether I would get laid off tomorrow or whether I was contributing. I think we struggle just as individuals to celebrate what we have achieved and to remember that we were once... These are the things we wished for that we have Yes, now. these are the things we wished for and we have them now. And that's not to say that you can't wish for more, but how do we at least reframe for ourselves what success is so that we can spend some time appreciating it and also start to more meaningfully plot what comes next. Yes. And I figured out a way to do that. Whether or not I utilize this tool is a whole other story. I'm excited. But I figured out an awesome tool that really helped me in the thick of my third book launch. Mm -hmm. So my third book launch, as you know, dealt with burnout and trying to figure out balance and, you know, how I dealt with mental health and work. And as I was launching that book, I felt like I was on the verge of another burnout, Mm. which made me feel ashamed because I was literally writing the book about how to banish burnout and find balance. And I felt so imbalanced. And I felt like I was not doing enough and I was not um, successful enough at this launch. And so I was really overwhelmed. I actually pushed the book launch out, which Mm. is shocking for me. I pushed the book out six months because I felt like I needed more time to get back on track myself. And I also wrote an epilogue at that point saying honestly that I did that Mm. and saying like chaos and balance have to coexist. It's not like, oh, because I found myself saying after this book launch, I'll get back to that balance stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, there's always going to be chaos. It's always going to be another launch or another thing. And you have to figure out some of these tools while you're in chaos. And so right before the launch, I ended up going away for the weekend. It was the time where, you know, my former self would have been on her phone like 24-7. Yeah, it was go time. Right. Go time. And I went off the grid. Yeah. And I actually wrote my second ever away message on email. <laughs> and I wrote, in case of emergency, call 911. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I went to this place outside the city. I was living in New York at the time. And I met with this therapist and I was really struggling. I was like, I'm not successful with this launch at all. And she said, well, what is success? It was mm-hmm. the simplest but hardest question. And I said, I don't know. What is success? And she actually had me talk to success. It was wild. And it was very helpful at the time. Like address success as if it is an entity sitting on the couch. That's exactly right. So she put me on the couch and a chair like you're sitting in right now was success. And I, as Nicole, needed to talk to success. Hmm. And then I switched. And then I was success talking to Nicole. Oh, what did you say to success and what did success say back to you? Oh, it got wild. <laughs> like, I'm not a big crier and I was, I mean, it was the, the was floodgates the opened yeah. and it was wow. really intense, super, super intense. And the and I haven't done that exercise since then, yeah. uh, but it was exactly what I didn't know I needed at the time. Feel free to use it at any time without paying those therapy fees. Well, right. But what can we break down like what happened? Because it's not just about sitting and across from success and talking about it it's about understanding your relationship with your it. relationship with it and trying to make a very abstract and undefined thing a little yes. more concrete so what i found that calms any of this anxiety or like this mean girl inside my head is defining what that means yeah. and measuring to metrics and so you do this a lot in business like you don't just randomly say i'm going to start a business i'm going to have no kpis or key performance indicators so like I don't know. Are you doing well? Or are you not doing well? That you don't do that in business. And right. so I think when we have these conversations with ourselves, like, okay, well, what does success mean? And you know, when I launch products, I really try to say, okay, here's the next book. Ten media interviews is success because mm. I'll get in the thick of it. And I'll be like, I suck. I'm not doing any media interviews, but I'm not. I'm I'm shooting in the dark. I'm not measuring to any metrics. Right. And so that's become a really important antidote for stress. Jen, my wife, on occasion will ask me, what is the goal? Because I'm doing a lot of things. I'm stretching myself really thin. And she's like, what is the goal? And I find that once I try to put it into words, it is not clear. And so if it's not clear, then of course, what the hell am I reaching for? It'll make you feel absolutely crazy. It's funny. Here's a way in which I have managed this on a micro level for myself, but I feel like I need to get to what you did there, possibly with some crying on the couch involved. But what I have been trying to tell myself over and over again is that I should not make any goals that are contingent upon things I cannot control. Smart. So an example a limited one, but for what it's worth, is when my own book came out, I had a lot of people, including my editor and my agent, ask me, is getting on one of the lists, New York Times bestseller list, the Wall Street Journal, is getting on one of those lists your goal? And my answer was no. I had consciously decided that wasn't a goal. And the reason for that was because I don't control those lists. I don't make them. I don't know what is involved in making them. Everyone has a lot of theories, but I don't want to make that the metric of success for me because I can't do anything about being on that list or not. And so instead, I tried to come up with other ways, but they weren't perfectly quantifiable and measurable, which is the reason why I think I still feel like I don't know if this thing was successful or not. But that 
effort, I think, really saved me because otherwise I would have fallen into a you know despair on week one when I did not make any of those lists. And I've been trying to apply that kind of thinking to other parts of my life. What do I have control of and how do I maximize the thing that I do have control of and how do I let go of the things that I don't have control of so that I don't start to measure myself against things that I cannot actually do. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting nuance to how you measure success. It's also how I think about having it all. And this is probably not a question you get asked a lot. No, but it's a question. A very gendered question. Super gendered question. Like, how do you have it all? And, you know, this I talked about also in my third book that started with Helen Gurley Brown and it didn't she wasn't a mother and it like didn't it morphed into this whole thing where you have to be like a sex kitten and a CEO and like a master chef and all of these things. And, you know, my answer to having it all is defining what it all actually means Mm. and stop changing the goalpost on yourself. And so you can have it all, but really if you stick to what that definition is. And first, just come up with a definition because if you don't, you're destined to fail. Right. We had on an earlier version of this podcast, we had Andy Bartz on, Andrea Bartz, who is a novelist. Like a super successful one after she appeared, after (laughs) after her cameo on Hush Money. That's right. She was on the Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, book club or whatever it is. Yes, yes. So when when we spoke to her, she had um, a couple novels out that did okay, but weren't blowing doors off of barns. And then she wrote one like a year ago that was a Reese Witherspoon book club pick and then became a New York Times bestseller. I had been thinking a lot about success and and I wondered for her how she had thought about success during these times where she wasn't making lists and now that she is and has that changed her. So I called her up and she said the super interesting thing to me, which was that she had very consciously at the beginning of her journey made a goal for herself that success looks like being able to publish another book. That's it. Right. So as long as she performs well enough that someone will let her write another book, that that's it. So it's not about the list. It's not about how many books are sold. She wants to just keep moving. And as a result of that, she has this steady workflow so that when I talked to her and her book had just made the New York Times bestseller list, she had already written the next book because to her, it was always just about being able to continue to do this. And that, she said, by itself really saved her from what would otherwise be crushing anxiety because she had just made this list. And if she now had to think about, well, how do I follow that up with my next book? She might have not known how to write her next book, right? You have this great success. Now you've reached what everybody considers to be the pinnacle of success, despite whatever your internal metric of success is. And now you worry well, how do, I, how do I follow that up? How do I be more successful? What does more successful look like? And she, because she had set this very defined idea of success for herself, success is just being able to write another book. She had already written the next one. She didn't have to worry about it. She was just continuing to move. If the next one makes the list amazing, if it doesn't, doesn't matter. The whole point is just this one thing. I, I aspire for some version of that for myself. And she was cognizant enough. And there's a great TED Talk, and we can link this in the show notes, of Elizabeth Gilbert talking about this. Like, what mm. do you do after Eat, Pray, Love? Nothing. Right. Um, all of her other books. And she needed to come to terms with that definition, too. Uh, and what I love about what Andrea did is this intention. 
she didn't l- keep leveling up. This is often what happens when people get raises too. Like the nice to haves become the need to haves. Yeah. Right. It was those stretches. Like the private school was maybe, but now that's the baseline, and so that's what ends up uh, messing people up with finances as well. Mm. I think that it's important for us to continue to identify things to achieve. Any ambitious person is going to always find some way in which their achievement opens doors to future potential achievements, and they're excited about that. But we can't continue to raise the bar so high and so abstractly on ourselves that we never actually feel the sense of progress that we've earned. And that's at any level. I don't care if you're just starting out in your career. To have gotten the first job is a success. To have gotten the first raise is a success. And to start to plot a course for what success looks like for you is exciting. But what you just said there is also really important to remember, which is that as we do that, as we grow, don't lose your sense of ambition, but don't lose your sense of direction either. But what's really cool about this is you write the rules so you're destined to win. We're there telling you, you, write the rules. Don't make them crazy fucking hard because <laughs> you're not going to win. Like, this is your game. You can write the rules and you can win. That's the cheat code. Help Wanted is a production of Money News Network. Help Wanted is hosted by me, Jason Pfeiffer. And me, Nicole Lappin. Our executive producer is Morgan Lavoie. If you want some help, email our helpline at helpwanted at moneynewsnetwork.com for the chance to have some of your questions answered on the show. And follow us on Instagram at Money News and TikTok at Money News Network for exclusive content and to see our beautiful faces. Maybe a little dance? Oh, I didn't sign up for that. All right. Well, talk to you soon. 